back with another lip smacking edition of Inspire AD. My name is Max Meehan, and I am seated across the table from the godfather <laughs> of independent wrestling in Austin, Texas, and co-owner, thank God, of Inspire Pro, yeah. Justin Bissonette. And uh, it's it's good to be back, man. Never talk about business with anybody outside the family, Max. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Okay, well, you know, uh, I'm excited. A lot of people don't know how we do this. We typically record these in batches, so uh, we'll kick out, what, four or five episodes at a time, and then uh, by the end of that, uh, Biss and I hate each other, and then <laughs> we, we, to... take, we take a break, and then we see each other, and it's like we forget how much we hated yeah. each other. We, we go to rehab, we, you know... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Become some sort of monster. Yeah, yeah. you know, we, we, come, we have our come-to-Jesus moment. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's good. It's good seeing you, man. Yeah. Um, and what a weird time it is for pro wrestling. Oh man, yeah. I'm still seeing these crazy videos of <laughs> of just packed halls, <laughs> packed halls with people singing songs ironically by a guy that's fucking dead. You're fucking crammed into a fucking VFW style hall listening to songs by Prince. Like, has the irony not eluded you? What the fuck is wrong with you people? Stop going to shows, goddammit. Stop feeding these bums, okay? Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I know wrestlers got to make their money. They, they gotta get, everybody's got to get their shit in. But you know what, man? The term killing the business oh, is, almost, is almost literal now. Hey, at man. This point. Pro wrestling tees. Um, uh, but the companies that are at least running without fans so that you can you know stream and watch and be safe yeah i gotta gotta give a big shout out to uh dylan dunbar at heavy metal as well as Kiefer. yeah they're running shows out of a out of a, a mall giving it that that ghost mall vibe i'm really i'm really into that and, yeah. and dylan dylan i he's doing it the right way man and beyond that uh, you know i've also heard very positive things about vip i believe it was prince adam uh worked a show up there with his main squeeze alicia and he said it was the first time that he's felt safe at a show, but that is, yeah. that's a weird and sad thing to hear somebody say. Yeah. And, uh, St. Louis Anarchy has their spirit of Spalding, which they put on pause. They've, they've been post, not only following the C CDC, yeah, CDC's guidelines, yeah. but very transparent of, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what they're saying that we need to be doing. And this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. So I, I give credit to those companies. Yeah. And just, just to kind of put this out there, uh, I think, I think I've gotten the hot foot recently and I, I've I've been looking at these shows that have no fans and one thing that has occurred to me is that, you know what, I think we can do this in our own way that is really unique and exciting for fans who are uh, at home uh, without putting them in, in jeopardy. So keep an eye out for some interesting stuff that we'll be announcing hopefully pretty soon. Yeah, just because we're being safe doesn't mean that we don't have the itch, guys. So. No, man, the wheels are motherfucking <laughs> turning. Um, anyway, so when last we left off, where were we, Biss? F phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. Very much based on the imagery of that, 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 uh, that particular event really tapped my interest and love for film. Of course, we borrowed from uh, the phenomenal phenomenon uh film by dario argento we used we used we pretty much just ripped off the logo um but i yeah that was uh that was a great show uh and it ended uh we're gonna kind of do a, a recount because we we didn't necessarily go over all the details of how that ending transpired but when last we left uh 
Palmer, Matthew Palmer, centerfold, had gone uh, gone after Andy Dalton in a street fight, which was also a loser leaves town match. And the way that it ended uh, involved some controversy, in fact. Um, I believe Franco D'Angelo, yeah. Matthew Palmer's longtime friend, was forced to throw in the towel out of mercy for his friend, whom he was very concerned for. And so Palmer really didn't tap out on his own. He, yeah. He, he was uh, he was kind of ushered out by virtue of the fact that his friend showed mercy for him. Yeah, we got it got to a point where Palmer was ready to die versus leaving the company and, and losing to Dalton again, not regaining yeah. that title. And Franco, in the best interest of Palmer, throws in the towel to save his friend. And uh, it was it was an it was a it was a conclusion that not many people expected. Yes. I think uh, I think that's one of the most important things that you can do is I, I creatively I love the idea of giving fans something that they just do not anticipate because there's always a way back. Yeah, there's always a way back, and and we certainly had one in mind. In fact, uh, we had uh, we had some questions about how far out we book, uh, and typically it's about. 12 to 18 months. We have stuff planned out, but you got to be careful. I mean, your storylines have to be fluid enough to where you can plug anybody that you want into that that yeah. spot that you might be think, looking around or whatever. Yeah, let's go into a little bit more detail because you, you have the, you know, 12 to 18 months, right? And that's the fluid, hey, this is what we definitely want to do. Um, Guys are always going to ask you, yeah. so what do you got in mind, brother? And yeah. then, you know, uh, half, half the time, they'll, like, pe- people, pe- dude, I hear I hear the, w- the wind blows. Yeah. The wind blows, period. But yeah. the wind blows many different ways when you're talking to wrestlers. There, some will say, you can't book long-term on the indies, brother. And then another guy will go, well, I got to know what I'm doing if I'm going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the other point here is, you know, month-to-month, that's not like we have every card that we're going to have for 18 months. No. We have the idea of what we want to do. It's a loose outline. Then you get into, well, well, shit, the building's not available this month, and we have to push an extra month, and now this guy's not available, so we have to Rubik's Cube XYZ, right? And that's that's kind of where yeah. sometimes the frustration comes from, but also I think, I mean, honestly, some of the fun comes from, right? Yeah, I think, I think this will, I hope, agree. Um, I am generally excited about, what would be catastrophic changes. I've always been very excited about the thrill of the audible, the thrill of coming in and making a a call that, you know, or or like rearranging things. I think when you get something that's great and then you lose it, that can be crushing. But the ultimate creative challenge and uh, invigorating process for me is bouncing back from a blow and making it uh, sweet. Like maybe even possibly better than what you originally had on paper. Yeah, and a lot of times I think we come out going, "Well, holy shit, that was a blessing in disguise." Because yeah. now we can do X, Y, Z. Um, I'm always, I'm always annoyed. <laughs> yeah, like you always get get um, you're gung ho and you're like, "All right, let's knock it out." And I'm always like, "Think, oh, I think I'm a little, I'm a little bit more zen about it. I'm yeah. like, okay, you know what? We just got to even when we get mad at each other. Yeah. there will be times where we're spitballing ideas, and I'll go, "No, that's fucking stupid." And <laughs> and then I'll shoot, shoot something and this will go like that. No, that's that's a bad idea. 
and, and we'll always like be at each other's throats, but go, you know what? This is part of the process. We acknowledge yep. that being at each other's throats is part of the process and landing on something that's, that's good. And, and I th- we've probably talked about it before on the podcast, but my memory is about the size of a minnow. Um, but I mean, we're always kind of very zen at the shows now. And I think it kind of freaks people out to know that yeah. creatively, like there's this tug of war and then we figure it out and it just blossoms. It's really cool. Yeah. Biss, I think there was definitely a period where Biss was always terrified going into shows, whether or not yeah. you want to admit that or not. It's true. Man. Yeah. There were t- like you threw up a, a few times at shows in the bathroom yeah. because you were like really like stressed about the bill or, yeah. or whatever. But you know, yeah. well, you, you know, the bill and is enough people going to show up that, um, we can cover it. You yeah. Know? The line, the line so. at the door is always, is always the salve that we need. Though. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, you walk out there maybe 10 minutes before doors are supposed to happen and the lines, you know, further than you can see. And it just, you, the, the, all the stress kind of comes out for a second. Okay. Let's, let's just go have fun now. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So, so this is going to be an interesting card this is another xxd venture another (laughs) xxd joint i believe it's the last one yeah yeah so and that plays a lot into this because this was the show where i think it um we kind of put our foot down and went no you're not gonna get half the card you're gonna get whatever we have that makes sense and everything else we're gonna fill in yeah i mean i think the the issue was still at this point that we were still struggling to find available and affordable local talent, and we didn't want to just add filler. Yeah. That's the thing, is that we really wanted to live up to that slogan, you know, all, all killer, no filler. Yeah. And I would rather that the ladies' matches that we had on the card at the time leave you going, wow, that was great, rather than, oh, women for the sake of women. It yeah. doesn't It doesn't benefit... It doesn't benefit you know, women's wrestling in any way, shape, or form. Um, I also felt like there was just too much goofy fucking shit coming out of the women's camp. It's like, there's even on a women's card, their stuff was still uh, limited, but they also still had to compete against a lot of really good stuff that that I was booking personally. And the women's stuff, I think it was Veda Scott. She eventually kind of got the gist of who was actually running stuff at around this point. I think she mentioned something like, the boys get to do all this rad shit. And I, and she was like, oh, I thought it was you booking all this shit. Yeah. I had to go, God, no, please. If yeah. I were booking your shit, you wouldn't have uh, you wouldn't have a paralegal <laughs> valet, which I don't think we've touched on that character uh, at all because I, it was very much a whisper. Oh, that comes in this show, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this, after this show is where her stuff really got kind of weird. And, yeah. and we'll go into that in, in future podcasts. Veda, I just want to say right, right off the yeah. bat, always always deserved better than yeah. most of what she got, and we were very much aware of it. I honestly think that we probably would have used her a hell of a lot more and done things that were more consistent and quality-based, but uh, she kind of took off uh, and, and started traveling a lot and doing really great um, yeah. for herself uh, in a number of promotions, so her availability kind of shrank. Yeah. And we'll get into that yeah. and some of the other ones for sure. Yeah. But yeah, this one is kind of a weird one for you, huh? Yeah, this is a weird one for me. We're talking about our functionality of the shows. And this is the last show for quite some time where I I was actually drunk. Um, I tended to pound 
the fuck out of, of whatever was available at the bar yeah. during these shows. And the thing is, is that I come from a bar culture. And in, and in bar culture, hospitality is a currency. So I was at this point in my life drinking really heavily, but also I'm pretty sure Biss will attest to this. You can't really tell when I'm hammered. Yeah, up until it's not, I, I'm going to say the term, it's too late. But it's not really like you turn into like this angry drunk and oh no. It's just like, oh man, he's really happy now, yeah. right? Like, but up until that point, like, but it's just, also it's, it's also, just you. It's also very very deep. We're talking yeah. like it's like Uh-oh. oh Max has had eighteen beers. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, um, <laughs> like oh, when did that happen? <laughs> but it's, yeah, but it's still not. But it's still not me staggering around. I'm still yeah, no, yeah, conversing. I think when I get tired, it was more apparent. But anyway, um, my apparent alcoholism at the time leads to something that occurs on this card. Uh, leading into this card, I was having some physical problems. I had a weird, I hate to be graphic, I had kind of a weird, uh, like, a abscess on my hip, like on my like pelvis area. And it was really hurting, and the inflammation had begun to spread. Now, what's funny is, uh, it in, a lot of other people, I think, probably would have dipped out way, way earlier in this event. I remember how much pain you were in, in like, set up. Yes. Because, like, we set up, as you guys have heard, I, we set up the show. I was running a fever. And I you was were... on fire. I was miserable. And I was just trying to hang in there. Yeah. And I think a big part of it was that I was so excited about the finish of the show, but I was also really excited to see Ricochet. Yeah. Ricochet was one of my favorite wrestlers at the time. I was so excited to have him be a part of this card, and I just wanted to see Ricochet's match. I, that was my driving force, really being able to see Ricochet hang uh, like in a ring with a bunch of really cool local guys, and uh, see him, you know, see just just see like guys like Steve O, you know, and Danhausen really really go nuts. Um, but all through the beginning of this shit, I am I'm in pain. I'm hazy. I feel I'm popping aspirin like crazy because I don't really even take pain reliever. Yeah. Like, and uh, you'll when there's something big gonna occur in the middle of this particular. Yeah, I I remember I just from setting up to like usually we're talking about the show and what's going to happen. And I remember distinctly that I could tell that your focus was more on how much you were in pain mm-hmm. than on the show. And that had never been a case for a show before. I think I also had that attitude where when I'm in a lot of pain, I'm like, don't fuck with me or I'll kill you. I kind of had that. Yeah, I was really short. I think yeah. with a lot. Of people. I, I was like, OK. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to shoulder a lot of a lot of what goes on day of show. I think you'll to admit make though, this like, happen. I am. I am typically yeah. a guy who will soldier through most yeah. anything, and yeah. this was I, this abscess on my pelvis area, this weird region that was like right next to my groin, <laughs> was it was inflamed. It really hurt. It was like almost like having a weird like softball under my skin. It was really really yeah. painful, and I had been. To the ER two days before, they gave me medicine, and I took it, and I was taking it. I was not drinking up until the show, but then I was just, like, in so much pain that I actually just started pounding pounding alcohol because nothing was stopping the pain. So, anyway, yeah. I'm I'm teetering around. I'm sitting a lot. I'm sitting down yeah. a lot because I'm in pain. Yeah. I, w- I remember being legit worried. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> we'll jump into the card. 
the show starts with uh, Mr. B versus Shire, who has possession of the pure prestige belt because he has uh, Nigel Rabbit has stolen it and has uh, given it to Shire, hereby making Nigel Rabbit Shire's manager at this point. Yeah. Um, and then Keith Lee, who is the rightful owner of the belt, but has not had possession of it, managed by Chris True. Yeah. So this kind of starts off a little bit of a rivalry between um, Chris True and Nigel Rabbit, um, kind of like an old school manager versus 80s, manager kind of yeah, yeah fun and stuff there. This really this really does begin the proper reign of Keith Lee's Pure Prestige Championship, you know, uh, term. He he really he really launches into something huge. I think starting this show, even yeah. though he won it previously, yeah. This is really when I think it begins, and we kind of elevate ourselves past this point where I just, we really didn't know what, what we were doing with the belt after Scott split, because Scott was always envisioned as the guy that was going to carry this yeah. weird secondary um, title. And from the very start, um, conceptually, the Pure Prestige Championship was always supposed to, uh, it was supposed to have this arc where um, that particular belt, was going to climb the ranks, and there then would be a title ranking match, which I'd never seen in pro wrestling before, and I wanted to kind of do a storyline where, sort of like when Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan had their showdown, and there were, you know, two titles or whatever, if I'm correct, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, and I'm not mistaken. Sorry, I'm tired. Um, (laughs) It's been a long time, man. Um, But uh, I remember wanting... The concept was, well, what if Warrior hadn't just... I don't know, vacated or whatever. Yeah, just what dropped if, the belt. Yeah, what if he made the IC belt the main belt in the company because he beat the champ? Maybe if champions meet, it designates the ranking. So the idea was that eventually the Pure Prestige title was going to usurp the Inspire Pro title as the primary title when both champions met. And this would be a, a collision that occurs multiple times over the course of the, the, the uh, company's history, hopefully. That's what we were going for with it. I thought it was a great idea. I still think it's a great idea. And, you know, we actually have had several title ranking matches. So Keith picks up the win, has the belt here. Um, like you said, babyface Keith Lee, the rocket pack is strapped on at this point, right? Yep. Um, we go from that into the pump patrol, uh, taking on Shadows and Riot. And Shadows and Riot go over here. We had. Um, going into Tagcade, again, tag team match here. We've, we've got the big tag tournament that we've announced. Uh, we had a lot of big plans for Shadow and Riot at this point. Yeah. So this was another another part of their push towards that. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people ask, well, what was the deal with Pump Patrol? Why didn't you bring them back more often? Uh, I think it was Kurt Matthews who had a... Did he have a job with Nintendo? <laughs> yes. Okay, so Kurt Matthews... <laughs> first of all, they were no longer Texas-based. I yeah. think Jared... Well, Kurt, Kurt was in Louisiana. Jared is was in North North Texas. No, he was he was in either Houston or Louisiana. No, I'm pretty no. sure... Wasn't Jared, Jared in Hurricane Pro? Yeah, so probably the Beaumont area. Yeah. So, and then... Um, Kurt was actually in uh, Mississippi. Was he? Yeah, he he took long drives to get there, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah he, wild, he was a trooper. They man. were Wildcat Pro mainstays at this yes. point, I believe. Yeah. But nevertheless, what kept us from bringing Jared and Kurt back as the Pump Patrol 
consistently was that <laughs> Kurt was often taken away by Nintendo, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. a weird thing to say. But yeah. yeah, he was he was working for Nintendo, and of course, when you get that job, yeah. that takes priority. Yeah, that's a pretty cool job to have, yeah. right? Yeah, I would I would cut people's throats to work for Nintendo. <laughs> So we go into a match that I'm going to let you talk about some of the, the background of this. But we, we do Mike Dell versus Barrett Brown, um, and it ends in a no contest. But this was a big match that you, you were pushing for and you saw a lot of promise in. Um, that we kind of, you, had, you yourself kind of had to sell to Dell. Yeah, I did. Um, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings because I really like Mike. I think he's a sweet person. Even though we had we butted heads on stuff, I think he's a really good guy. And when I think about his smile and hanging around him and just how funny he was, my heart kind of grows a little bit. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody, if you know Mike Dell, um, is just a, a personality, you, you like him. Yeah. Not everybody looks at wrestling in the same way, though. Unfortunately, in Texas, a lot of the old guard thinks that there is just one way that pro wrestling works. What I never understood when I was doing this company early on was that if you can do the same thing at eight other companies, what do you care what happens at my one little company? You know what I mean? I really wanted to do different things with different people. For example, like Masada, I didn't want to just have him be the over-the-top hardcore guy. He was a guy that I wanted to present as a wrestler who could actually really legitimately wrestle, because he could. Mike Dell was a guy who was really good at the formula that he had created for himself. And he would have excellent matches everywhere he went, but they were kind of easy. And I always felt that Mike, when pushed out of his comfort zone, really excelled and delivered. He was great at he's a great wrestler. I think yeah. he I think he put on some great matches. I wanted to do things with Mike Dell that I never saw him do anywhere else. I wanted to see Mike work with younger talent people who wouldn't necessarily be paired with him anywhere else i think that was the appeal of it was i'm gonna do mike dell but i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do mike dell as the fan like a lot of my mike dell booking was fantasy booking and i feel like if i had pitched it to him like that he would have gotten it yeah um barrett brown at the time when he came in i asked him like well what do you want to do who do you want to work and he said man i really love mike dell i really want to work mike dell and of course that puts that idea in my head when i pitched this to mike he really didn't like the idea um but anyway here we have this kind of schism from world the world-class syndicate with the most of our guys kind of we have one guy one team of guys on one side who are very purist and traditionalist and you've got Houston Carson kind of building up this new network of uh, his syndicate and Barrett Brown being in it and him representing the younger guard and I kind of liked this storyline that really was based on the reality of wrestling where you had younger guys and older guys kind of clashing and Houston was giving people opportunities and so here we have Dell with uh, I believe it was is he with Reigns and Moonshine at this point? Yeah. Yeah, he's with Reigns and Moonshine at this point. And they're, of course, angry. Reigns, Moonshine, Dell are angry that they have that they brought in Barrett Brown to basically replace Alex Reigns because he's this, who's, who's this fucking kid? Yeah. You know? And it's a great storyline. But um, this match was fun. thought it was a fun yeah. match. I mean, he, uh, it was what I wanted it to be. Yeah. But it was, it was like pulling teeth to get this get this happening and I think it really kind of 
it I've I continued to kind of pump the brake down to the floor on Mike Dell because yeah. you got to remember he kind of pulled that shit where he threatened to hold up our title like he basically held our title ransom almost for 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 a little bit there when he didn't want to drop to Dalton and then it was like. Like I said, pulling teeth to get him to get in the, the ring with Barrett Brown, and, and Barrett Brown is no no slouch, man. He is he's worthy of being in the ring with anybody, and he even was at that time, even a young kid. What's funny about it, right, is Mike Mike is such a creative guy, yeah, and like has this like very vast knowledge of wrestling, although. I think it's more centered in an earlier time period, right? Yeah, that like when you when you put him in a challenging position, like he comes up with these crazy ideas that maybe somebody hasn't thought of in a while. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, like he's a tape bank. Like he's like, Oh man, like it, we could do this. It's just like X, Y, Z. Right. And, um, the giddy child yeah. fan, like, and you like, know, you know, yeah. you know that Mike loves wrestling. Yeah. Because he came from a place probably like all of us. Like he saw it as a kid and he knew, he knows all this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I feel like the, the times we pushed him in, out of his comfort zone, he excelled, but yeah. we, but he just, I don't, I think he wanted to do what they were doing at BOW in San Antonio, yeah. which is where Mike is constantly on the title chase or holding a title. Yeah. And my opinion was, I feel like guys like the Francos and like the Dells, they felt like when I didn't put a title on them that I was saying that they weren't worthy of our titles. But in my mind, it was that titles make, uh, titles make people, you know? A guy like Dell doesn't need a title. A guy like Franco doesn't need a title. Yeah. They're kind of beyond them. It's like you look at Cena. Cena's kind of beyond having a belt. He doesn't really need it. Yeah. And that's how I felt. Well, and um, I also believe that, I mean, from an Inspire standpoint, a guy like, there was one Franco in the company. Yeah. It wasn't a company of Francos. No. So if you put that belt on Franco and say, this is Inspire, you're lying, right? If you put that belt on Dell and say this is Inspire now, I mean, when we were coming up, we didn't yeah. know what Inspire was, but now, you know, Mike, the, the Mike people Dell. we had the belt on were, hey, this is what the product is. These are special attractions within I, it. I no doubt had respect for Dell, and yeah. I think that he didn't think I had the respect for yeah. him that he thought he deserved. But the one thing that I think he forgot continually was that I put the title on him decisively at the start of the company. Because I felt that he legitimized us in the eyes of Texas wrestling as a whole, and to me that was me. I was I was dofting my cap to him, yeah. and I don't think he, uh, I don't think he saw it that way. But I, I really didn't feel like he needed a title. I felt like he should have been in title contention. I think we could have done some really exciting things. But there was also I'm not gonna lie. When you put a belt on a guy, like certain guys, and then all of a sudden they don't want to drop. Like I don't want to. I don't want to come back to that bridge. Yeah. There was never an apology either, you know? Yeah. At least I never got one. No. I, I, and, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think it was... He floated it out there, and I think in his mind it was never... Because in his mind it may have been that he just said, well, what if this happened? Versus... and But once you put that out in the ether, it sounds like a threat, right? It, it is. It yeah. was a threat, though. Yeah. So that's like me going, oh, well, Biss, I'm going to walk around this. What if, what if I walked around that table and what that if? giant big gold cup on your head? What if I did that? dude? Yeah, I would it, be sticky. Yeah. But also the context yeah, of it, if we yeah. were, if we were, if we were, if we were arguing about something yeah. and I floated that, the, the tone and the context is yeah. all, all, all it comes down to. Anyway, um, love Mike. 
that's all I can really say. Yeah. I loved working with him. I hope maybe someday it happens again because I think we could do exciting and different things that are unlike anything he's doing elsewhere. I mean, shit, the guy, the guy genetically looks the fucking same. I, yeah. He does not age. He's, so. he's yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so let's 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 move on to yeah. Jojo Bravo versus Thomas Munoz. Yeah, and I think this was a little bit more. Um, what's what's the word I'm looking for here? A little bit more ambitious than what you were you had in mind. That's a that's a kind way of stating it. Yeah. This is where I basically lost all faith in Thomas. Yeah, I was really mad about this. So some guys need to realize that if you do, if you do, if you know, if you know, if you can really control, be the master of your own destiny. Do what you do well. Yeah. Focus on that. Don't try and go out there and do a bunch of stupid shit. Okay. So. This was my problem with Munoz in this match. Previously, as Ultimo Sex Symbol, which is an absurd gimmick that was mega over, and he was still riding the crest of spearing Sammy you know, Guevara from months and months and months ago. He was still looked upon very favorably. People were excited by him. The pageantry of his entrance was a big, big part yeah. of it. When I talked to Thomas, I said, this is all I want you to do. Just go out there and do Yakuza kicks, Mongolian chops, and uh, the spear. That's all I want from you. Your spear should be your comeback angle. You know, just I want you to get your ass kicked, Mongolian chop, stomp, kick. I want you to be an ABBA wrestler, yeah. like a video game character. I don't want you to. I don't want you to go out there and and try and and try and be like some New Japan ingenue, but. Motherfucker goes out there and completely shows his ass. Not literally, but he goes out there and exposes himself by trying to do all this stuff, and he botches like two thirds of it. Yeah. So he he basically delivered a match that wasn't up to par, in my opinion, with what we were doing. And he was in the ring with a guy that I largely consider to be one of the best wrestlers in Texas. Okay. Oh yeah. I think I think people love to rag on JoJo in our crowd, but you know what? He is one of the finest wrestling minds I've ever encountered. He's one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen in a ring live. And that's not blowing smoke up his ass. The way he sells stories and the way that he makes calls in the ring is just, it's phenomenal. I think there are a lot of people who consider themselves fans who understand, they think they understand how wrestling works. But if you don't appreciate him, you don't understand how wrestling works. You don't get it. You don't get it. Yeah. And I'll fucking punch somebody in the face and they tell me I'm wrong. I will fucking fight anybody that doesn't think Jojo Bravo. Are you just floating that out there? Yeah, I am. So I'm going to play devil's advocate, but I'm also going to tell you why you're 100% right and Thomas was 100% wrong in this situation. (laughs) Okay? So bear with me. Okay. Give it to me, Pacino. so, (laughs) So I can understand, right? Where if you're developing as a wrestler, which Thomas right now is a few months from being a referee. So let's pump the brakes a little bit there, right? But if you're developing, you may want to do more than three moves. Got you. The way to do that is not to just decide you're going to try 50 fucking new things in this match. The way to do that is to communicate, which is a message for everybody in wrestling. Mm -hmm. Fucking to come up and go, hey, I, I know that this is what you want. Can I try this one thing or can I try this? Can yeah. I try these three things? And then what you get back is, well, 
Let's try one well, that you're most comfortable with. When I say, yeah. by the way, when I say three moves, I'm not yeah. saying that literally. I'm yeah. just saying that this should be what you primarily focus on. Yeah. I'm not saying he couldn't have done an arm drag <laughs> or something like that. I'm not saying he couldn't have fucking kipped up. Not that he could. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, fucking... But, yeah. These are your power moves. Just do this shit. Yeah, we weren't sprinkling in arm drags, though, here. We were sprinkling in some pretty... Yeah. Attempts at some some high level Bottom stuff. Bottom rope springboard. Yeah, DT. like why shit yeah. like that? You know, it was stupid, so. and he couldn't do it. He was limited. He hadn't yeah. even graduated from school yet. You know. Yeah. I don't think he ever graduated at AAPW. Uh, you're you're going to get me into what my thoughts of their graduation process is, but uh, I don't think he had officially graduated at that point. Well, if people at the school say, "Yo, so and so didn't graduate," yeah. I listen. Yeah, and that's all I really I just, care about. I do, I don't particularly think that. Uh, having a quote unquote gauntlet graduation is the best thing for students, but no. it's, it's whatever. No, but there's a tradition a, to it. It's a different. That's a different topic for a different different podcast. Don't make me call T Ray. <sighs> <laughs> okay. So we go into the women's uh, title match. You notice how bright, how quiet we are about Stroud on this episode, leading <laughs> into this shit. <sighs> this was yeah. So, I think, no, we'll, we'll get into this later. There's a reason that this happens, but we had always planned for Veda to come back and, and be injected into the, the title match. Yeah. Because the idea to put the belt on Veda was, was Stroud's idea from the start, and that's what we were working towards. Um, so, Doom is taken out by Angela Lang um, before the match. Um, she jumps her, attacks her shoulder. Um, she's taken the back. She's unable to compete in the match because it's a fresh injury. Oh, by the way, I have to, I have to interrupt here. Doom being taken out was my idea. And you may recall that this led to a complete and total shit fit by Stroud, who actually cried Cried like a child mm-hmm. with sand in his eyes. My God. Okay. And this is when he actually fucking insulted me. And I think this was when I was just literally... That was the breaking... This was the breaking point for me. This was a big one, yes. Well, there were several breaking points. This is I think where I, you were 100% done with him I after was, this. I was yeah. fucking done. Um, so, later on in the card, we're going to have a match with uh, Joey Ryan... And Candice LeRae. Mm-hmm. And something occurs where Candace Candace has a death in the family. I, I believe. believe her grandmother passed yeah, away. Yeah, and so she went she couldn't make the show and she went home. And of course, Brandon being the ultimate humanitarian that he is, began to out loud accuse Candace of fabricating her grandmother's death and <laughs> saying, Oh, she's a bitch. She doesn't want to come here. She's just lying. She just wants to not be here. Blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah. Because a professional wrestler really wants to miss a booking. So basically, yeah, Brandon accuses Candace of fabricating her grandmother's death. And I'm like, okay, buddy. And, and so, uh, I think he begins to pitch all these last minute people that he wants us to plane, fly, plane flights, yeah. plane flights that he wants to fly in to stuff in this hole. And that's not feasible at this point. That's not economically. It would have been a disaster, yeah. and so I make the pitch that um, Angelus takes Doom out of the match, and this leads to Delilah replacing Candice, 
And so Angelus and Delilah lock up in this tag match where it's Angelus and Tim. Because Angelus has kind of joined Dalton's little yeah. stable at this point. You know, yeah. it's Angelus, Tim Storm, Vega, you know. Uh, and, and Dalton, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so... The the one of the one of the main featured matches were going to be Candice and Joey versus Angelus and Tim Storm. Candice has the, the death, and I'm thinking, well, what can we do? Because Joey still needs a tag partner, yeah. and, you know. And, and so, in my in my you know wisdom and and you know circular logic, I think, well, Doom has this thing going on with Angelus. Let's have Angelus take Doom out of the match. Because really, you don't need Doom in that match. It's, it's a four-way at this point. It's overbooked. It's overbooked, and I say, well, let's take her out because this will make that match much more comp- concentrated and better. And Delilah, I don't think would have fared well. I think she would have gotten lost in that shuffle. Yes. So this is me all thinking this, and I say, let's put Doom and Joey together because they're both fun and candy-colored, and they're going to have a blast together. Yep. And then we have Delilah kind of going after Angelus because Angelus took her out. They, uh, Angelus and Doom already have kind of heat. So it builds into the fact that they're kind of feuding with one another. Yeah, and we're actually building something off this match rather than just having a match with a woman in it. Absolutely. And uh, I believe at this point, Brandon screams at me, well, this doesn't make sense. You're just doing stupid shit to do stupid shit. And that is when I was <laughs> like, man, fuck you. This is what we're doing, and you can fucking live with it and die with it for all I care. I, f- I yelled at him, and I believe he cried more because <laughs> he had already cried and uh, that's that was my logic I think it I think it makes sense from a story angle yeah. and the fans ate it the fuck up with a spoon and it wasn't just me doing shit to do shit to me that's ultimately like the most offensive thing you can say to me to, to say that I don't care to tell me that I don't care in fact I think that that little foray at the onset of the women's booking was the best women's booking probably up to that point it made sense and I also think it made it made me feel confident that I could do this with you, Biz. Like, I yeah. could do women's stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. That's... <laughs> what more do you want me to say? I mean... Like, it, it was... At this point, it was very obvious that it was a mess. Yeah. It was a mess. Like, I don't know... I don't know how else to describe it. Like, it was clearly not going to improve. It was... There was no logic to the decisions that were being made on that end. And then when fixes need to be made, it, nothing viable was presented. Brandon was a clearly ego-driven person, and I think when people like him have that just deranged quality, it makes it impossible for them to question their own decisions. I think the numbers that he was getting on Uproxx as an Uproxx rider really fueled that. It fanned yeah. the flames of his ego. And so he didn't think he could do wrong. It's kind of like a guy, like, uh, like Judd Apatow uh, is a guy who is so far gone in terms of what he's accomplished that no one can go to him and say, hey, maybe you need to edit this because Judd thinks his shit is gold because he's Judd Apatow. You know, I fucking hate Judd Apatow. I hate Brandon Stroud. But Stroud is very similar in that way that you, you couldn't approach him and say, this doesn't work or this is how I would do this because he'd always come back and go with his thumbs hitched in his fucking suspenders. Well, I'm a writer. I'm a writer. Yeah. I know how to write. I write stuff. So you couldn't like, you couldn't criticize him. Yeah. And uh, the weird thing too was there's two different worlds. There's the world that he exists in that he, he thinks wrestling is and that he, um, 
you know, has a commentary on in his, well, used to, mm-hmm. in his little uh, column or whatever. Who knows? He'll probably show up, like, in somewhere. A, show up in Brandina Ma- Stroud Michael, or some shit like that. Michael Stroud or whatever yeah. it is. Show up in a dress. Um, Hi, so, I'm Brandina! Jesus Christ. Sorry. Um, but that, then there's also the reality of how wrestling works, and they're different. Uh, like, you know, and that's fine. That's fine that people make a living writing off of a world that doesn't really exist. Um, but, like, to kind of, like, put your hands over your eyes and la 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 when, like, you're confronted with, like, no, this is how things actually work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always believed that that was because, well, fuck, I'm making a living writing about the world I think it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's fine. You still write about that world, but this is what's really going on. So fuck you. <laughs> we need to do this to make this show happen. Right. Um, I think that was a big part of it, of his, his weird denial and his inability to grasp how things actually worked in, in think, wrestling. And I think the days leading into this show, which was how soon that we knew yeah. that Candace couldn't make it. It wasn't like a month out. It wasn't a week out. It was yeah. very much like within the days leading yeah, up to I the think, show. I think she she did a show on Friday. She had Saturday off and yeah. had to go home on Saturday. Yeah. Right? And so. so the thing the thing is is that in the days I, I was clearly affected by my health yeah. leading up to it and when I'm hurting it diminishes my patience for bullshit. And so I was in pain and clearly just like, you know what, I don't have time for your titty baby bullshit. This is what we're doing, and if you don't like it, fuck off. Take a hike. At this point, he'd never put any of his clout or his influence into promoting the company. He'd made he'd help us make connections, yeah. but I think in spite of the fact that he helped us make connections, it was us that maintained them, and in fact, sometimes even salvaged them. Yeah, he never he never promoted Inspire as much as he would promote wrestlers he liked that worked at Inspire. Yes, you know Keith Lee got a great rub from him. Yeah, um, you know some you know. A few others did, but it was never about the whole promotion, right? So, r- real quick, I hate to gloss over this, but um, Veda uh, comes in. She has a, a lawyer as her. She's got some weird new like valet <laughs> yeah. who's a male manager who I yeah. believe was attached. Was he attached to the new movement? Yeah, no, not like the literal new movement in the company, but he he was a he, student, uh, he was a student at the new movement theater. Yes, yeah. so he studied improv. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, he is her lawyer, which is weird because she is a lawyer. Yeah. Um, and gets her injected back into this match because of some of the fun uh, the stuff that actually watching back I enjoyed uh, her promos as far as like the legal e stuff because she's, in, she's, she's a lawyer. She's she's brilliant. Yeah. So this kind of ties off that gets her back in. We have Jessica and Athena going you know toe to toe, tooth to tooth, nail to nail, and then Veda. Um, basically steals the win mm-hmm. to become the first champion. Um, and I th- then, yeah. I think you have to leave. Intermission yeah. Intermission falls after this particular uh, Yeah, which sucks. Particular match. So I'm I am in the I think at one point like during like I think during the match the the women's match I'm in the bathroom just like in mortal pain. Yeah. And I <clears throat> and I'm looking at like just my body and the that welt, that yeah. big welt on my pelvis area like near my groin is just like huge yeah and i feel delirious and i walk up to you and i go i'm sorry man i can't stay yeah and uh long story short i go to the i'm rushed i'm rushed to the (laughs) that's great i go back (laughs) i go back to the hospital 
where they diagnosed me and they're about to close and I'm clearly not doing well and the doctor challenges me and says well what more do you think we could have done and I said been more aggressive in your treatment and he goes well go to the ER then and I said you're an asshole and so I go off to the ER and uh, I am there for a very short period they take a blood test and they come back and tell me hey man you're diabetic as fuck yeah. and you are coma levels uh, of like and your blood sugar is crazy it's yeah. bad right now you're, you're you know you need to get your shit together yeah um and in fact, I am, just to give you a picture, they actually have to cut into me to, uh, to help me. And I did it with no anesthetic. So they, I'm sitting there, and they're like near my groin with a knife, and they, they stab me. And, and this, I had an infection, basically, yeah. that uh, my blood sugar was feeding. Like, you know, that when you have high blood sugar, it tends to feed into infections. And I had an infection. And, uh, yeah, they fucking cut into me, and it was... It was an art. It was a fucking Fulci film, man. It was not pretty. So I am not there for the majority, or the, actually for the second half of the show, and it kills me because I was trying to hang on till just after. Seeing, I wanted to see that Ricochet match yeah. so bad, and I did not get to see it. I've only seen it on tape, but I will say, working with King Ricochet was a, a pleasure. He had a lot of great stories. <laughs> um, he was a really sweet, <laughs> quiet guy. Yeah, I I think. We may be one of his stories now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He even, so. yeah. He told me, yeah. He told me a lot of Teddy Hart stories too. Oh yeah, oh, that's <clears> awesome. Yeah, but um, yeah. So anyway, I'm gone. Yeah. So after this, I'm still gonna comment because I don't give a fuck. But yeah, no, I mean, good. yeah. You need me. You need me, this. <laughs> I I can't do this without you, brother. <laughs> so we we come back from intermission. The match is Gigolo James Johnson, uh, Dan Housen, who is. You know, blue chipper prospect Donovan Dan has at this point. Ricochet and Steve Arino. And I'll get into the Ricochet story, but first, this is sort of where we uh, things start to get a little sour with Gigolo. Because this is the match where. Oh, yeah, I can tell. Yeah. Danhausen is going to be driving down with Angelus. That's the plan, mm-hmm. right? And they drive down for this show from Michigan, I believe, right? Mm hmm. And we've got that all figured out. Um, yeah. And for my my pre-show meeting notes, I tell the match, hey, let's make this kid a star tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ricochet is clearly a star. Steve is a star in our company. And I view Gigolo as a star in our company. Mm-hmm. So this is a great chance in my mind for us to put Danhausen in a position to elevate him because we're going to need to be using him. Yeah. Yeah. And um, let's not let's not diminish the fact that this was still a really great opportunity for everybody involved, yeah. including yeah. Gigolo. And shortly after this show, Gigolo tells me that he no longer wants to be in wrestling. But the thing is, is that we had just put him in this motherfucker <laughs> killer match with this yeah. name. And it's the kind of thing that he wanted to do. And this is after James. I, I was a fan. I love Gigolo. Yeah. And he was not always treated um, with respect because he is not what you would call a conventional-looking wrestler at this time. He's kind of doughy and pale and kind of has a dorky, like, Cousin Oliver haircut. Yeah, He's, yeah. You know, and... But he is a pleasure to be around. He is a genius in my brain. Uh, he does things I've never seen anybody do. But then he would go to locker rooms and he would encounter people. I think 
One of the encounters at this point that had really hurt him was he met Hanson from War Machine. Yeah. Ray Rose tag partner. And apparently that guy was a huge piece of shit to Gigolo. Treated him like crap because he didn't really fit the bill, so to speak. And that really hurt James just to not be respected. Yeah. And it made me really actually not want to have anything to do with Hanson. And I've heard other stories about the guy too. Yeah. It's why we never really did War Machine and I was a fan of Ray. Yeah. I just wasn't a fan of Hanson and it wasn't so much about his Yeah, and see I never heard that that side, but that makes sense. Yeah. It really hurt Gigolo. But Gigolo's attitude toward wrestling in general here was, I mean, I guess behind the scenes, kind of declining. But after we put him in this high-profile match that really just sang, that was fantastic, he told me he didn't want to be in wrestling anymore. And to me, it's almost kind of like, you know that ugly kid from Hook? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I fucking hate that kid. You want to know why I hate that kid? I hate that kid because, first of all, yeah, he was fucking ugly. But here he is like, you know what, man? He was in Dick Tracy, he was in Hook, he was in What About Bob, and then this ugly motherfucker <laughs> up and quits the business. You know what, man? I would have, if I could go back and CGI Elijah Wood into Hook, I would fucking do it in a heartbeat. And motherfuck, man, Gigolo James had to be the ugly kid from Hook here, <laughs> get this fucking leading role in this great fucking match, uh. and then fucking quit. He, did, he quits, okay? He gives us a little bit of an outro. We'll get into that, I think, yeah. in the next show. But still, I was mad, and it's like, if you were, if you knew, and he did know, he, if you knew you were kind of on your way out, give that spot to somebody who's going to stick around and really get a, a benefit from yeah. it. Let us build another person who can ease into your spot. Don't take a position that, you know, this isn't your fucking swan song, buddy. Yeah. This is not how this works. If you're going to quit, go out like a quitter. There's a difference between retiring and being, ooh, I'm not going to say it. Yeah. I was mad. Yeah. Okay. So, how we came across a ricochet booking? <laughs> um, oh, so, ricochet was put into contact with us by um, another talent, and ricochet was extremely interested in coming to Texas. Um, and I, I worked very hard to find another company that we could split the booking with, and the only company I could find. <laughs> Was uh, the Rev Pro guys mm. from McAllen, Texas, <clears throat> which is about what six, eight hours away from uh, from Austin, yeah. right? Yeah. So I tell Rick, and so I get him a seminar in McAllen. I get him the booking in in McAllen, and then I have the booking with us, right? Which you know, for a guy like Ricochet, that should probably be a flight from McAllen. No shit. Up to what is that six hour drive? Oh, it gets worse. Okay, it gets worse. Oh, uh, this is something I don't think I heard. <laughs> so, um, Ricochet is flown into Corpus Christi and picked up from the um, from the uh, the McAllen boys who drive him to McAllen, which I think is like a four hour drive, right? Um, goes down, does a seminar, does the show, and then um. They start. They drive up the night before, to from Saturday. They drive up to Austin, and um, <laughs> so he does not. He's never really seen a map of Texas, I guess. So he contacts <laughs> the person that like put him in contact with us and was like, "Hey, uh, I'm we're leaving for Austin. Like, um, are 
like how can you come down and this person lives in dallas and they're like dude austin's like a <laughs> it's like a four-hour drive from where i'm at <laughs> you know he's like oh really well how far is it from me <laughs> and like they just send him a clip of the the map and, like <laughs> he's like oh sh-, you know um so we we sort of unfortunately pulled one over on ricochet i don't uh, think we I, I intentionally did that i think it was oh just, i i i admit i did you piece I'm of a, shit. i'm a motherfucker yeah, okay. but it, you know well, i didn't old trevor did okay for himself yeah um he shortly after this he uh he signed a fairly lucrative contract right so yeah. and it seems to be working out for him bless him yeah so uh i apologize for being uh in this instance a piece of shit carny promoter but what had to be done had to be done to make sure we we got that ricochet anyway steve-o up <laughs> yeah and this is important to note because steve-o up on danhausen yes. which kind of annoyed me yeah nevertheless yeah which didn't make sense mm-hmm. but steve-o up yep uh this is important to note too this i because this is we're building towards something that's going to occur at a later date steve-o is Steve-O is uh, our our J-Crown yeah. champion. He is he's had great matches with Chikara Talent. And here he is winning a four-way which features Danhausen, who'd had a great match with Johnny Gargano yeah. just recently, so he was on everybody's tongue at that point. And Ricochet. Yeah. You know? He he's he has he's had a pretty good run, I would say, in yeah. our company. Anyway. Note that yeah. at this point, and I'm going to continue to mention all the cool shit Steve got to do as we move forward. Yeah. So we take care of a little business here from the last show. Uh, Franco D'Angelo comes out to cut a promo explaining uh, why he threw the towel in uh, for Matthew Palmer. And uh, he says the line, no one in this building wants Matt back more than me. And at that point, we hit, and this is the first time that we have alluded to this or, or made any reference to it, uh, Athena's music hits, who is Matthew Palmer's um, wife, later wife. Yeah. Later. Yeah. They're, they're, they're an item. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get to that. (laughs) Um, and you know, it's well known amongst these fans, Uh, right? Yeah. Backstage. And, for, for a lot of Texas fans, right? Uh, maybe I don't. Know. Maybe I'm in the bubble. You Was are, I in the bubble? You're definitely okay. in the bubble. I don't think a lot of people knew that Matt and Athena were an item. Oh, all right. I don't think a lot of people even know that Matt and Athena were were married until a certain point. Yeah. So um, um, honestly, it was not. I don't think it was out of the bag until a very pivotal moment that occurred in our ring. Oh wow! Hmm. So. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was well known, but anyway, um, Athena comes out to uh, basically say, "Well, you know." Um, I think I want Matthew Pack more than you do, and I think these fans do. So at this point, we're setting up an Athena versus Franco match. Um, I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah, they were, um, you know, you know, Palmer and Franco are fairly close. So, you know, Athena was good friends with Franco. You know, so we were uh, we were setting this up, and then this also helps us explain. Um, the motives behind Franco throwing in the towel and really helps us kind of put the extra cherry on top to make sure that we're getting that storyline across. Um, And then with Athena, 
you know, this is somebody that we've stated before could easily have been somebody that we put our, our main belt on. If that's what we were going with over like gangbusters over all over. So it was really kind of a fun one-time matchup. And it was, um, if you're going to do an intergender match with Franco, it's somebody that it's not, it's not going to look like, you know, it's it's completely imp- impossible. I'm not going to name. Well, names I think it's also think when, when you want to do stuff like this. It's really ultimately uh, in the treatment of things. A lot of the time, when you have women and intergender stuff, it's always her. She's got to prove herself. She's got to prove herself. Yeah. We never treated Athena like someone who had to prove anything to a man. Yeah. No. This was, was you know she was basically just like she is dangerous on her own terms. Yeah. This you know? was a conflict between two yeah. people, right? It's all in really how you sell it. If you if you act like someone is an underdog, the audience is going to accept them like they're an underdog. And we didn't ever want to have women there to prove themselves. Yeah. You know? So, um, up next is is an amazing matchup. Uh, this is, of course, Ricky Starks taking on Ray Rowe for the number one contendership in Inspire Pro. So. Yeah. That, yeah. I, 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 I guess, have very little to say yeah. about this at this point. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's exactly what you thought it would be. The, a banger? You know, it, it was a banger, as the kids say today. Um, Ricky Starks up after some interference from Lance Hoyt. So um, they also, Hoyt and Stroud, continue their deal after this. Yeah. Um, from that, we go into the Tim Storm and Angelus Lang versus uh, Joey Ryan and Delilah Doom, yeah. Doom match. We spoke kind of about the setup to that earlier. Anything else you want to? I will say that Brandon did eat crow, and he said you were right. Yeah. After this happened, I I didn't see it, but I saw it live. But I saw it posthumously, and I believe I was laying in an ER bed when Biss texted me and said, "Bro, it was over yeah. like crazy." Yeah. I think I think you kind of kept me abreast. Yeah. But the response from the crowd was great. Everybody was like, "Wow, that was." I had people tell me that was great booking. That made sense. Good on that call. Yeah. Um, and I think also uh, Angelus was very happy and Doom was Doom was excited. Yeah, and it really it gave them a chance to be the focal point of this thing, right? Yeah, so. and, and Tim was amazing here. Yeah. Not enough can be said about Tim. And Tim to me is a guy who fuck God, I can't say enough good things about Tim. How how many times has there been glue moments with Tim Storm where he really kept something together? Yeah. That was not like a traditionalist type thing. No. You know, and just, you know. When you look at Tim, Tim is like this Frank Miller drawing come to yeah. life. He's like, he has this look of a Sin City character. And he is, he is like the, he is like the the Sputnik Monroe looking <laughs> wrestler who looks like he just stepped out of like 1962. Yeah. He has such an amazing look and he is just the nicest human being on the planet and he does everybody always jokes like god he's so he looks so much older and i'm like yeah but he's like he's he's silk in the ring yeah and the thing is is that you meet guys like this and they have such because he has this traditional look when you approach him with something that's outside of the box or very modern he actually takes it and works magic out of it and and a lot of guys i think that are like him would typically kind of go ugh when you give him an idea like being in this match, which is an intergender tag match, but he worked this match and did a phenomenal job. Yeah, I, th- of- I think sort of like what's old is new, right? Yeah. So once you get past 
whatever the new coat of paint is on an idea. Yeah. Right. And you can equate it to whatever you can process. And guys struggle with this. I say it like it's so easy, right? I think that's really where the magic happens. Kind of like what we talked about with Dell, right? Yeah. If you, if you can take the idea, and Tim would do this on his own, I think, but if a guy can take it and frame it in how he perceives wrestling, yeah. I mean, we're going to get into the why wrestling so beautiful, you know, whole rabbit hole here, right? But yeah. everyone perceives wrestling differently and enjoys it for different reasons. If you can tap into that, any idea can be applied to to your mindset right this is also i think where we began the uh pushing the ideology where it was a it was fine to put women and men together and the way that we sold it was you don't treat the wrestler by their gender you treat them by their size and it is very much like just work it like you're working a smaller opponent don't treat them like a woman treat them like just anybody else and that shouldn't be that hard you know, that's not a hard thing to, to sell. But unfortunately, for a lot of people, it's hard for them to get their, their mind around it. You're, I was always seeing people go, women have no business. Basically seeing this kind of like weird Sunday school mentality where everybody's like, oh, you don't hit a woman. It's like, yeah. well, this isn't, we're not, we're not, this isn't like a fucking in the kitchen match. Mm. This isn't a guy beating on a woman for the sake of beating on a woman. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's not yeah. promoting domestic, domestic violence. It's. It's promoting the idea that a, that a woman is equal to a man in a yeah. way. It's you know, it's yeah. she's competing. It, it, yeah, it's a weird thing. Yeah, and and there there is there's still a very visceral response to a male competitor punching a female competitor. Yeah. in the face. Yeah. So, but that's what percentage of wrestling is that? Yeah. Technically, that's an illegal move. Yeah. You're, you're not supposed to punch. Anybody in the face with a closed fist? You know? Why? Why so. wouldn't? Why? On, honestly, I don't. I don't. I don't mean to. Yeah. I don't mean to about face, but really, violence in general is something that should be abhorrent. Yeah. It doesn't matter who's who's on the, on oh, the kicking yeah, it. Yeah. Good. Good point. You know? Good point. Um, it's not the, traditionalist you know, yeah. over here. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so it was we, well received. Yeah. Brandon ate ate his fucking shoe, and um, and you know, it was what I thought it would be. It was. Good. I, it was I hope good. it wasn't leather. Okay, thank God. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, from that, we'll, we'll transition. There's no way to transition from that, but no. we'll transition into the main event. Uh, yeah. So this was ACH and Andy Dalton. Oh, boy. Let's just, I mean, the match was the match. It's Andy Dalton versus ACH. You know what match. it is. So, but let's get into some of the, the other stuff. Okay. So the. I'm, you want me to do this because this is really yeah. I mean, this thing. is this is right next to your heart. This is your your fight here. This is where I decide that you know. Okay, so let's go down the laundry list of shit where I tried to keep a few shows ago Albert from losing his mind outside of the venue that we call home because there was security behind him in a flashing vehicle, and he lunged at me at that moment. He, a few shows before this, had a long sit-down talk with me and told me how it was a shame that I had a modicum of influence over professional wrestling that I had no business running a company. And then he has very specific directions here that he refuses to act out. And it was really, to me, mystifying. So let's go over what was... a initially supposed yeah. to happen at the end of this match 
what was supposed to happen was that Andy, who... And Andy's not a tall guy. He's stocky. He's, he's you know... Yeah. He's got, he's got some bulk to him, but he is... I don't want to say short, but he is of average height. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. You could even say below average, but Below yeah. average height, okay? Yeah. And... So here he has this banger match with the ultra athletic ACH. Yep. And on paper, what was supposed to happen was Dalton was supposed to take the mic after beating Albert in less than scrupulous fashion. And he's supposed to tell Albert to go back to the junior crown division. And after besmirching the name of the junior crown, Steve-O was supposed to come out and go... Well, speaking as the junior crown champion, how about I kick your ass next event? Which was a great moment, it, you know, or was supposed to be a great moment. Yeah. It's basically like Steve kind of injecting himself into the title, the title picture yeah. and putting over the J crown. But also, there's an irony in Dalton, of all people, telling somebody <laughs> yeah. to go back to a junior crown division when he's not a very big guy. Yeah, he, he's a junior. So yeah, he's a junior. So the the I guess the irony and the humor of this was lost on Albert, and Albert yeah. took this idea as being really insulting. And so I guess Albert and Andy took it upon themselves to turn it into a race issue. Yeah. I don't remember the exact promo, but they did their own thing, and I remember Albert texting me when I was in the ER and saying, "It was good. We did our own thing. You know, I think it turned out okay." But, you know, uh, and when I saw it, I was just, oh, my God, I hit the ceiling because it didn't really set up the Steve match in the way that I thought it should. No, yeah, we kind of... Because, because Albert we, is such a creature of ego himself, he had to basically take it personally. And it's like, yeah. bro, Andy's a heel saying a heel thing to you. Yeah. This sets up stuff. And, and it cut it cut Steve's legs a little bit. Yeah, I'm did. not going to say it completely cut no. him out from underneath him, but no, we could have put him in a much better position, right? So, I like the idea of Steve coming out to defend, you know, the, the the Junior Crown division and it puts the Junior Crown division in terms of competitors on par with the main title. Yeah. And uh I just I didn't I didn't understand why there had to be a fight in this. It's like just come and do what you're told, and that's that. I mean, at this point, I don't think there was any secret that it was no secret that Albert and I didn't like each other. Yeah, and I think this is the last time Albert's on a show for a while. Yeah. So, so. and I mean, you know, Albert's always got opinions. He always says things that are mildly insulting, even now. Like at the last event we had he said well congratulations it only took six years but depression is finally over <laughs> this is a guy that's been reviewing all of the events leading up to our podcast can you tell me how the crowd reacted to depression the yeah, first he, time he popped out, out of the curtain he's fairly over fairly? Yeah. He's, fairly he's over he was mega yeah. over at many points in the company's yeah. history people fucking lost their minds for it in fact i think it was uh what 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 podcast was it, it was a fairly notable one where they used to call the gimmick TV ready. It was like the only thing from our company that they covered was depression. Like Oh, Pert- yeah, I can't. I can't. It was something recall, was related yeah. to Alvarez or something. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Great Depression was over, but, you know, Albert takes time out of his day to fucking knock most of what I do, even now. But still, at that point, I was just like, well, you've threatened to beat me up. You've told me I have no 
point being in the business. I don't think that there's any point in us being here. And in fact, when was it that Albert cut that anti-Inspire promo in ACW? I see. I don't remember because all that shit, if it happened across the street, I phased so much of that shit out. Yeah, but you were pissed. At the I, I'm sure I was pissed, yeah. but I phased so much of that out because I can't control yeah, he that. Right? Some, I think it was shortly around this period where he basically went to AC. He was in ACW yeah. and he cut some promo about how like we're not going to just claim to inspire you or some yeah. bullshit like that. Yeah. It was just really spiteful. And I think a lot, you know, I've had my down dour moments, but nothing was worse than having somebody derail a concept while I was fucking getting cut open on a fucking gurney. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's a little rough. It was very rough. I was pissed off and he fucked up a cool idea by being, I hate to say it, just kind of being a prima donna. Yeah. And I'm not going to say I don't love Albert. I think... I think Albert has a really good heart, and I think he's a, he's a phenomenally talented individual, but I think sometimes he can be a little mean and immature, and I don't think he's like the best creative mind. We're talking about a guy that fucking puts a black guy's Oh, high concept, buddy. What the fuck ever. But anyway, that's where I sat on that, and uh, I was disappointed with the way the promo went down at the end. The match was great. Most of the matches on this part were great, um, but it was not a great match for me. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's where we jump off until next week. Yeah, I will so say. We'll see you again. You know, the best part about this show? Not being in that hall mopping you up. Motherfucker. <laughs> anything to get out of the police. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>